Welcome back to Left Anchor. I'm Alexi the Greek. And I'm Ryan Cooper. So today we're doing one of our more traditional uh, readings pieces. We're going to talk about some philosophy um, like we used to do back in the day. Um, we are talking about Ed, to start with at least, uh, a, an article by Ed Rooksby uh, called uh, The Relationship Between Liberalism and Socialism. Um, and I have no idea who Ed Rooksby is. Um, <laughs> it looks like he, he, he might be an academic at Oxford, as far as I could tell, uh, yeah. from the, the very, very last page there. But uh, hat tip to Aaron Anderson for, for this piece. I thought it was, was pretty good. Um, and then we will probably get to uh, philosopher Liam Kofi Bright, internet hero, uh, famed internet philosopher, uh, and his post, Why I Am Not a Liberal. And a response uh, from another intellectual uh, named Owen. But they all kind of go together, you know, on the topic of what liberalism is, how it arose, what its principles are, and, uh, and why uh, or how it's insufficient, basically. And, and, and for the Rixby piece, but I think implicitly in the other pieces, um, how those insufficiencies relate to socialism as an alternative, I think, right? I think this is an interesting. It's an interesting article. It's, a, I think, a little bit challenging for a socialist the rooksby piece that is yeah. um mm -hmm. you know be, because you and for liberals as he as he points out for, for both yes, liberals true. and socialists you know the the basic argument is that you know so socialism as as he you know characterizes it as like sort of a trans a transcendence and uh uh, uh overcoming of what he says Quote, socialism is best regarded as the radicalization and transcendence of liberalism. Socialism draws on the normative principles that drove the bourgeois revolutions in which liberal society professes to embody and demands that these ideals are more fully realized. And um, I think, you know, the, the first thing to say about this, and I think it's a very important point, is, you know, he he. uh draws out, you know, a whole number of social examples of historical socialists or supposed socialists like uh, Lenin and Trotsky, Stalin and Mao, who were very contemptuous of, you know, what they call bourgeois, you know, liberties, um, freedom to, you know, suffrage and stuff like that. And he s says that this is it's it's bad for for two reasons, um, you know, on the one hand, you said you end up, you quote, surrender to the prevailing liberal view that the democratic rights and liberties that have grown up under liberalism are inextricable from the current social order. And then on the other hand, quote, it is also dangerous in that it seems to justify and indeed even require the abolition of existing democratic rights and liberties on the part of socialists in power, which is, in fact, what, yeah. you know, Lenin and Stalin did. Uh, and that, I think we can safely conclude was bad. Uh, it did not work. <laughs> it was it was yeah, bad for yeah. the, the people and it, the long term stability of the system itself. And I fall prey to this. You know, I, I get so mad at the current order, which I think Rixby does a good job of showing is intertwined historically and now with capitalism, uh, and is so hegemonic that it that it bleeds into liberalism bleeds into uh, adjacent ideologies and basically any other way of form of life right now is, is kind of like um, forced into a, a liberal framework. Um, 
And so uh, I can <laughs> certainly sound like I'm just wholesale rejecting liberalism uh, or castigating liberals as such. Um, and this is, I think, a piece that's helpful for not falling into that trap uh, because of how he says socialism is the realization of the ideals and principles that actual practicing liberalism uh, is Im- cannot fulfill because of the contradictions um, of, uh, of liberalism itself. So like the principles, the stated principles of liberalism, equality and um, liberty uh, cannot be realized because of the third, he, he calls mediating force or, or the role played by the, the, the mediating um, principle of uh, private property and the private ownership of the means of production, right? Um, yeah. And because of that, right, because of that and the class struggle that ensues, uh, the promise of universal equality and universal liberty uh, necessarily can't be realized unless socialism transcends liberalism, right? And I think that's a, an interesting way to, to think about it. Yeah, and I like that. I, I like this, the that way of approaching this situation because, you know, as you say, you look at existing liberal regimes in history and in practice today and you you can see it all associated with all sorts of horrible shit you know the the british empire uh's incredibly exploitative uh you know colonial system of trade um you know how yeah. uh Poor countries today, you know, are, are just like surviving on scraps from, you know, the the, yeah. the the fall off the table, you know, between like, you know, the United States, Europe and China uh, and, you know, all the various wars and, and shit like that. And I think that, that it can be logical for a lot of people to just conclude that all this is bullshit that like, look yeah, at, right. look at these, these freedoms that you espouse, you hypocrite, you liar. Yes. And, and therefore yeah. the freedoms themselves, the whole idea Far is back. nonsense and we don't need to do it. But I think right. that that's the wrong way to look at it. You need to say no. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. I actually have students, students that, um, you know, before they take my courses, they say, uh, I hated the Declaration of Independence. And, I, you know, it's just obviously it's a complete lie and hypocrisy, et cetera, et cetera. But the very idea, therefore, of I mean, it, it surprised me, actually, that the very idea of equality and freedom as natural rights and the very idea that those things are uh, meaningful was nonsense because of the practical uh, failure of our system historically and today to, to live up to the ideals that they were throwing the baby out with the bathwater, you know? And so I think that's where it's so important for, to have a socialist uh, response, which says, no, the ideals are good. It's just, they're not realized in this system for a very good reason, but they can be. And when they are, you will like that. That will be good. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and as he, you know, points out, um, you know, you, you can point to all manner of movements and, um, you know, societies, uh, the, the things that have happened basically because, uh, downtrodden groups seized on this sort of, you know, universalist moral, uh, ideals in like the Declaration of Independence or the Declaration of the Rights of Man and of the Citizen, um, or, you know, all the various liberal theorists that have, that have, worked and written throughout the years and and pointed to the hypocrisy 
um, and said, you know, we women, we deserve the vote just like men. Um, and, uh, yes. slavery is a Jamel Bowie has a great piece actually. We're recording this, uh, funnily enough on the 4th of July. And, uh, so this, his, his piece is all about how the Declaration of Independence, you know, as, as a sort of sacred document in American history is to, to a great degree, the creation of like, um, anti-slavery activists, um, uh, above all, like Abraham Lincoln, uh, you know, that, that, for a long time after the after it was signed, it was basically forgotten for like 20 years. It wasn't really that important. It wasn't considered like it is today. And this was a result of people saying, like, look at, you know, here's like a handy thing that, that we can like use rhetorically and in our movements and, and organizations to 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 push, you know, for a more equal society. Live up to your your bullshit slogans. <laughs> and uh, it no, was remarkably right. successful. Yeah. Our our good friend uh, Harvey J.K. talks about this, right? That radicals in our uh, history have always drawn on those founding principles and drawn on the ideals that were not being fulfilled uh, and drawn on those fighting for them against those who would see them suppressed. Uh, and uh, that is a tradition in this country that's very American. Um, and it's... Uh, it's important, too, to show that, like, you know, Machiavelli says there is an important civic religion that creates stability and allows for a good kind of Republican order. Um, and you have to build in a you have to constitute, you know, the, the Constitution is kind of a living thing. You have to constitute your uh, polity by returning to founding principles again and again, especially when things are falling into disorder and chaos and so forth. Um, and so, like, the, the idea of universal freedom and equality persists because of how it, it comes into conflict with all these uh, exclusions, and all these, you know, uh, oppressions that just people can't but say, wait a minute, we, we're a country that's supposed to be about these things. Well, why is that not true for this person, for that person, for this group, for that group, right? Um, so, But, you know, mentioning Machiavellian republicanism, though, reminds me that, like, once we get through talking about the virtues of this piece, I guess it does. Um, it occurs to me that like it's maybe not liberalism per se that has complete ownership historically of uh, freedom, at least, if not also equality, because uh, republicanism, right, um, and, and, and modern republicanism from Machiavelli to Rousseau is very much about a kind of freedom that he distinguishes when he says that socialist freedom is different from uh, liberal freedom, right? And this is where we get to the ontology and like the way that liberalism says that freedom is only individual and only legal and not economic. And uh, socialism says that it's actually social because we're social creatures, not just, uh, you know, individuals by our nature. Um, and yeah. then this leads to two, two different visions of liberty, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he has a nice gloss on the, the, the way that liberals, li the way that liberalism developed its nature of, of liberty. Um, and, you know, basically that you had like a society of in like bourgeois society coming to be, you know, and, um, business owners who 
wanted their property to be protected as like their principal political objectives, like coming up with this stuff. And it like clearly bears the, the, the roots of, of that, you know, up, up to the present day. Um, you know, he says, quote, it is not difficult to see, for example, that the atomized liberal individual reflects the atomized conditions of bourgeois society in which social ties of kinship and fealty have been dissolved in which market competition is the norm. And he talks about the social contract, you know, which, which it, it, it's funny. He's um, he says, quote, the, the radical individualism at the core of liberalism is perhaps most clear to see in liberal political philosophy's favorite conceptual device, the social contract. And uh, I, I kind of like the like the social contract, I feel like, is an interesting idea. You know, like it's it's a it's a, you know, clearly has some force and like you can do some good stuff with it. You know, as we've talked about with Hobbes and Rawls uh with his, you know, the, the, the original position and, and that whole business of trying to come up with a sort of moral foundation of society. But you, you do have to admit, I think, as he points out, that this is like a profoundly ridiculous way to think about, uh, human <laughs> society, even bourgeois society. Like no, nobody has ever lived like this in history. Nobody's ever sat down and come up with a, a social, like, like contract in terms of oh, yeah, how not, we it's want not our a historical. Yeah, that's the end of the preview, folks. As usual, we like to mention that this podcast is sponsored by the American Prospect magazine. So if you want to listen to the whole thing, uh, you can subscribe at $5 a month. If you want that plus a free subscription to the website, uh, plus the opportunity for a steeply discounted print subscription, you can do that if you so wish at $10 a month. And uh, otherwise, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.